Well, good morning. My name is Trevor Miller, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, it's a great honor to be able to stand before you this morning and open up God's Word together. We began a brand new series last week called Call Upon His Name, and what we're doing for the next few weeks is focusing on these ancient names of God, because we believe these ancient names of God help inform us about what He's like, what His character is like, the kind of, the kind of God that He is, so that it can help inform us as we, in the way that we live, and particularly in the way that we pray, because I believe it has a, a major impact on our prayer life. Uh, last week, we had a guest speaker here named Chad Myers. Is anybody here last week by chance? truly one of the best messages I've ever heard in my life. It was an amazing message. And if you weren't here, go watch it online because you don't want to miss it. Chad did an amazing job of opening up the scriptures to us and showing us El Rahi, the God who sees us, and helping us understand that if we have a God who sees us and who knows us, then we have a God that we can be vulnerable with in terms of our prayers. He knows everything. So we can express to him exactly what we're going through and, and be honest with him. And that is a freeing thing for us as followers of Jesus to be able to pray in that kind of way because some of us were hesitant to even let God know, even though he sees us. So Chad did a great job last week. And during this series, we've been trying to, each and every series, focus on a different core value that our church holds. And these core values help us understand the way that we choose to do things, the way that we live, the way we do church together. And this core value for this series is the core value prayer-driven. We really want to be the kind of church that is prayer-driven. We pray before we make decisions, asking God to guide us and direct us, recognizing that we have to have him. And so this prayer-driven peace is not even just for our church. Our prayer would be that we as a congregation, every one of us in this room this morning and across the campus, would be the kind of people that would live our life in terms of praying with God about the things that are happening within our life. The truth is, during this series, Call Upon His Name, we've been focusing on names, and when it comes to names, there is deep significance to any kind of name that we've received, maybe a nickname or the actual name that we go by, or maybe it's a name we've given to someone else or something else. You see, when we name something, it denotes some kind of relationship. When we name something or a person, it denotes a relationship that we have to that thing or that per, per person because it's unique to them, just to them, and it shows that they're important. You know, maybe some of us in the room at some point in time have probably named something from time to time. Maybe you had, a, as a kid, you had a, the first pet, right? And who had a dog named Fido? Anybody? Or a dog named Shadow? There's like these classic dog names that everybody names their dog, or a cat named Fifi, that kind of thing. Not me. I wasn't that kind of kid. I had reptiles. So as a kid, I had all kinds of cold-blooded friends. And so um, my first box turtle that I had, he was actually a three-legged box turtle that I found, and his name was Bob Fred. It's a solid name for a turtle. Then I had an, an alligator snapping turtle baby that I found. His name was Jim Bob, also solid name. And then later on, I had an iguana named Zeke. And then eventually in high school, high school I had a veiled chameleon named Dirty Frank Sinatra. And so um, all throughout my life, I named these different reptiles. Now for me, you may have had dogs, cats. For me, I had reptiles. And maybe even now you're like, I need to talk to Trevor's parents because what's wrong with him? Believe me, they were asking far before you ever were. So I had these animals as a kid and... Maybe as you grew up, you got your first car. You know my name, their first car? You know, 1996, two-door black Dodge Neon named Black Betty. That's what I had. And if you drove that car 55 miles an hour or more, it shook going down the road. It was a solid, everybody loved it. Or maybe for you, you have other things that you've named. We have a Scamp Camper that we've remodeled, my wife and I, 1985 Camper. And we take it all over the place with our boys, to the beach and everywhere. And we've named it Mr. Fredrickson from the great movie Up, Right? Because adventure is out there. So Mr. Fredrickson is our camper that we take places. You may not know, but three weeks ago, 
My wife and I were in the hospital because we gave birth to our third born child, a little girl, and we brought her home to the house and we've tried to keep her alive with the boys in the house for three weeks, we've done good, but she's not very good at sleeping, surprise, surprise. But we decided when we named her, we wanted to name her a name that was really significant. My wife wanted to name her something that had to do with ocean and water and sea, it's something my wife loves. And so we named her Murray Elizabeth Miller. I'll show you a picture of her right here. Oh yeah, she looks like her mama, praise God. So. Murray Elizabeth Miller is what we've named this little baby. Now, someone told me the other day, listen, the only person you have to apologize to is Murray one day when they have to try to figure out how to spell her name because we've done it a little bit weird. But it's significant to us. It means something to us. And so when you name something, whether it's a thing or a person, there's all kinds of significance to that name. And even as you say it, there's memories that come flooding back to you. As I've said all these names just now, I can remember things that happened a long time ago, different emotions and feelings and in fact, in the Bible, some sources say that there are 955 different names that are given to God in one way or another throughout the scriptures, 955 names. And each and every name is full of deep meaning and significance and importance because it's given by a different person at different times and certainly for different reasons. And each name of God comes from a very personal experience. Each one of these names that someone names God is because they've had an experience with him in some kind of way. They try to express, this is what God is like. If you want to understand God, he's like this. And this shouldn't shock us because anything that we've ever named, there's probably an experience that goes along with it, right? If you've named a dog, how many dogs do you know named Fluffy? Do you know why? They're Fluffy. So they look at that dog and they're like, oh, that's a Fluffy dog. We'll, we'll name that dog Fluffy. Or if you've had a fish or you know a fish named Bubbles, right, for obvious reasons. We're gonna name this fish Bubbles. It's because of an experience you've had with it. There's all kinds of cars throughout movies and television shows. So you have like the General Lee from Dukes of Hazard. You have Kit from Knight Rider. Any Knight Rider fans in the room? Come on, people. Herbie the Love Bug. These are names of these cars that there's deep significance and meaning as you watch these movies and television shows. So the authors throughout scripture, when they name God a certain kind of way, they're naming him out of an experience that they've had with him. So they're trying to convey what he's like. And so this morning, I want to start in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms has 150 different Psalms that exist within it. Some of them are prayers. Some of them are stories. Some of them are poems, all relating to us what God is like, trying to express to the readers what God is and who he is. And in Psalm 23, which is a Psalm that's attributed mostly to King David, King David wrote Psalm 23, and so in Psalm 23, David is trying to relate to us what this God is like based upon the way that he relates to him. So here's what it says in Psalm 23, verse 1, just the first verse. David writes this, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So when David says this, gives this name to God in Psalm 23, we have to understand that David is naming him based upon his own experience. Because before David was ever king of Israel, leading the Hebrew people and writing psalms, before he was ever running away from Saul for his life, before he was ever killing giants on the battlefield, David was one of eight sons. He was the youngest. And he spent most of his life as a young kid out in the fields of Judah taking care of sheep. This was his job as the youngest son within the family, taking care of the family's flock. And so when David writes Psalm 23, and he uses this word specifically at the very beginning, what he's saying is, God is like a shepherd. And he knows this to be true because he himself was a shepherd as well. Now the Hebrew words for this word is Jehovah Ra'ah. Everybody say that. Jehovah Ra'ah. It means the Lord, my shepherd. 
And in just these two small Hebrew words, there's all kinds of meaning and significance that comes from David naming God Jehovah Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. Now I'm convinced of this, because I know it to be true in my own life. The way that I live my life, the, the things that I do and the things that I don't do, the things that I say and the things that I don't say, all have to do with my understanding of who God is and what he is like. And so for some of us in this room, one of the issues that we have actually relating to God is because we believe a certain thing about God, and so because we believe that thing, it impacts us in a certain kind of way. Now for this series, we're talking specifically about prayer. Our prayer life is impacted as well. Potentially, some of us in the room this morning, the reason that our prayer life suffers is because when we think about God, we think about God like a big cosmic vending machine. We think that when we pray, this is what it's like. You walk up, you put some change in, you hit a button, and then you expect God to deliver that thing. And if that thing is not delivered, we get disappointed and disillusioned because we believe God to be this cosmic being that if we ask whatever we want, surely it'll just come to us. A cosmic vending machine. Or sometimes, some of us in the room, maybe we've not prayed in years. Because to us, God is one big fairy tale. It doesn't make any sense. And why would a God of the universe be interested in what's happening in my life in the first place? So for a lot of us, we never even waste any kind of breath speaking to God because God is just a fairy tale. What I believe David does here in just even this first verse alone of Psalm 23 is gives us a whole new insight into who God is and what he's like. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now to understand the Lord as shepherd, I think we first have to understand ourselves as sheep. To understand the Lord as shepherd, we have to understand ourselves as sheep. So I'm gonna invite somebody out on stage this morning. Now I asked earlier, based upon this whole series about names of God, this sheep had a name, but he does not. So I decided this morning we should name this, this individual. So who would name this sheep Daryl? Anybody think this sheep looks like Daryl? I see all three of you. Uh, I, I said in the nine o'clock cotton, but then I realized cotton doesn't come from sheep, so um, woolly. Anybody woolly or Daryl? Okay, good. So this sheep, that Daryl is a good name. He looks like a Daryl. So this sheep that we brought out on the stage this morning, in order for us to understand the Lord as shepherd, we first have to understand ourselves as sheep. Not only is David saying that God is a shepherd, He's saying ultimately that means that we, we are sheep. Now I grew up on a farm growing up most of my life in Indiana and we had horses and we had goats and we had chickens and for a very short time when we lived in Kentucky we had a sheep named Samson, one of them. Lived in our backyard. And just my short experience with Samson, I learned a couple things about sheep and I don't wanna offend him but I touched his ears last nine o'clock and it didn't go well so I won't this time but I wanna whisper it to you. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the barnyard. Like, I know he looks super intelligent, but it's deceiving. In fact, I was reading all kinds of articles just this week about shepherding in the Middle East, and there are stories about sheep, actually one sheep running off a cliff and diving to its death, and the entire flock following that sheep off the cliff. They're not the smartest animals in the barnyard. My dad actually would mow the pasture that Samson lived in when we were kids because he couldn't take care of it all by himself, and every time he would, Samson, our sheep, would go and headbutt the back of the mower and break all the taillights out of it every single time. They're just not that smart. And I'm not trying to offend him, I'm just trying to be honest. Now this is a stigma that they kind of have, and some of them, they think about sheep, you think about flock mentality, they can't think for themselves. And so here is Daryl with us this morning. And the reason David says this is probably he's thinking about this. As a shepherd, it's hard to shepherd sheep because they're not that smart. 
And the truth is, if we're going to understand ourselves as sheep, one of the things we have to understand is that sometimes we make some dumb decisions, don't we? I mean, sometimes we make choices that are really foolish. I'll be the first to admit, I've done some dumb stuff. I'm a sheep. But secondly, to understand sheep and understand the Lord is shepherd, we have to understand this guy has not a lot of defenses to him. There's no sharp teeth, no claws, bah, like doesn't strike fear into anybody. And so if there's a predator of some kind or some kind of danger, this guy, he's got no hope apart from someone helping him. And the reason David says that we are sheep and the Lord is our shepherd, number one, we're not that smart. We make some dumb mistakes. He knows it because he's lived his life. But secondly, we have no defenses really of ourselves. The world's harsh, is it not? There's some difficult things that come our way. He's gonna kick me. There's some hard things that happen. And when it happens, we can't defend ourselves. We have to have someone who steps in to defend us for us. So to understand the Lord as shepherd, first and foremost, we have to understand ourselves as sheep, like this guy right here. Give Daryl a hand this morning. Thank you also for bringing him out for us. God bless you. That's a cute dude right there. To understand the Lord as shepherd, we have to understand ourselves as sheep. So here's what David writes then in Psalm 23, first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he expounds upon it in chapter 23. Here's what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Then he says this, surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I assume as David writes Psalm 23 here, he has images flood back to him from his past as a shepherd out in the Judean countryside taking care of all these sheep. But the message is clear from verse one through verse six, and very simply, here's what David's trying to get us to see, that the Lord wants to lead us. God's greatest desire for his people is that he would lead us. And you see it in all kinds of different ways throughout the passage, but he, but he wants to lead us. And the way he leads us, number one, as Christians, by putting the spirit of God within us to help us make the decisions that he wants us to make, to guide us throughout our life, he wants to lead us. And secondly, he's given us his word to open up and learn how to live our life in a way that would honor him and would honor Jesus. He leads us. This is apparent from Psalm 23. And so there's a clear message here, and it's simply this. The Lord shepherds us with protection and provision. The way the Lord shepherds us as sheep, he does it with protection and provision. You see, in the ancient Near East, it was not odd at all to refer to a king or a god of a region or a leader of some kind as a shepherd. Because everyone around would have understood what a shepherd does. A shepherd takes care of a group of people. And so you would go through cities in the ancient Near East, you might see depictions of their leader in that community or a god in that community. And that leader or god would be in that depiction, in that picture, holding two things, a rod and a staff. Now, as you read through Psalm 23, what David says is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. 
Now the rod would have been a short piece of wood with kind of a club end to it, and the shepherd would carry that around because undoubtedly, as you would take care of your sheep, you would encounter predators of all kinds. So you had all kinds of things like wolves and lions and bears. Oh my. And whenever the shepherd was in the field with his sheep, if any kind of predator came, what the shepherd would do is take that rod, run after that predator, and club it if he had to. His, his job, he saw his responsibility as taking care of what? The flock, the sheep. So these leaders, a rod and a staff, it comforted them. Not only would they have a rod in one hand, but they had a staff in another. And that staff was a wooden piece, a device as well that was longer and thinner, and it had a crook on the end. So what the shepherd would do with the staff is when they would walk along and a sheep might get out of a row and begin to wander off away from the flock, that shepherd would use that staff to help get that sheep back in line and potentially have to put that crook right around that sheep's neck to pull him back, to guide him back into the flock. Because if he left, if he wandered off, he could have all kinds of danger that would come to him. The wolves, the lions, the bears might be a big, deep crevasse he might fall into, break a leg of some kind, or, or have the elements change and not be able to take care of himself. And so the shepherd's job was, number one, to protect the sheep and the flock, and number two, to use that staff to help guide them, to keep them in line, to travel to the next place. And as Psalm 23 says, a place that is full of a green pasture. The passage says that your rod and your staff, David says, they comfort me. They comfort me. You see, the Lord, as shepherd, his greatest desire is that he would lead us. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, for a lot of us in this room this morning, when it comes to our lives as followers of Jesus, we find all kinds of other things to comfort us besides God, besides the good shepherd. For some of us, we find our comfort in our status, our bank account, our Instagram, our government officials, our spouses, our careers. And here's the truth this morning. You won't find comfort there. David says, here's where comfort comes from. Knowing that you have a good shepherd who will protect you, a good shepherd who will provide for you, that's what God does. Now, what's really interesting to me is if you look through the passage as a whole, there's a very specific way that he protects us and he provides for us. And David wants us to understand that if we are sheep and he's the shepherd, our proximity to the shepherd ensures our well-being. Our proximity to the shepherd ensures our well-being. The closer that we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from the wolves. The closer that we are to the shepherd, the safer that we are from the wolves. I want to be specific here. When I'm saying wolves, I'm saying anything that could put us in danger. Anything that we could find ourselves in that's going to cause us to be led away from the good that God has for us. And the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from those things. I'll be honest, if I was a sheep in the ancient Near East, I had a shepherd, I'd be that nervous sheep that was always looking for the shepherd to make sure I was within like wool's difference from him, you know, so I could reach out with my hoof if I had to because he had the rod and the staff and that comforted me because I knew if I had a clue of all the things that could possibly kill me as a sheep, if I wandered off, if I found myself far away from the flock, I would be constantly looking, where is the shepherd? I want to be as close as I possibly can be to him. And you would think as followers of Jesus, if the Lord is our shepherd, we would have the same mentality, but guess what? We don't, do we? I mean, far few of us ever really think about how, how far am I in proximity to what God has for me? Sometimes we find ourselves wandering away from the flock to places that we never wanted to go and do things that we never wanted to do. There's a major key in chapter 23 in verse six, in these six verses. 
In Psalm 23, there is a certain way that the writer David is trying to express to you that God protects and provides for us. He doesn't just club wild animals, doesn't just grab you by the neck and pull you back in. There's other ways that we are meant to be protected and provided for according to David. He uses specific words. Here's what he says in Psalm 23 over and over again. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. He comforts me. So David is trying to send a clear message here. The Lord is your, your shepherd. Don't get too far away from him. Don't get too far ahead and lose sight of him. Don't get too far behind and lose sight of him. But stay with the shepherd because he guides, he directs, he leads, and he comforts by still waters through dark valleys. This is what our God does as a shepherd. But here's the key. According to David, if God is going to lead as a shepherd, we as sheep have to do what? Follow. Follow. I think this is the one of the hardest things that we do as followers of Jesus because too often we feel like we know better. God, I, I know what you're trying to tell me. I know the things that you've given me in your word. I know the ways that I should live my life. But to be honest with you, I've decided to wander off to something else because I think I know better than you. Because we're sheep. We're not that smart. We also have no defenses. And we can find ourselves vulnerable. I love what the late preacher Charles Spurgeon said. He says it so well. He says, Jesus is the good shepherd going before his sheep, bidding them to follow him and ever leading them onward with the sweet word, come. Come. You see, at the heart of scripture is always an invitation, always. You see, the shepherd is not gonna take that rod and club you over the head as a sheep and pull you back into the fold. He's not always going to take that crook, grab you by the neck, and pull you back in, but instead, he's going to offer you an opportunity to follow him as the guide, to follow him as the one who leads by still waters through dark valleys. Follow me. Come. I mean, can you imagine being in the wild as a shepherd and you have a thousand plus sheep that you're responsible to take care of, to get from this location to that location, all well and all healthy? That would be a difficult thing I can't even imagine. The closest thing I've come to is a few years ago, we took 150 middle school students to Carowinds. When you walk into Carowinds, I looked around and saw all that Carowinds offers, and I thought, there is no way that we're bringing back 150 children, the same ones that we brought here. And some parents would be like, thank you. So we go with these middle school students, and we walk in. I'm just like, this is overwhelming. I had leaders that I walked in with. I'm like, we're never going to see them again. This is going to be it. But there's a key to any sheep any middle school student making it through what we go through, and it's this. Will we choose to follow our leader? Will we choose to follow the guide? Will we choose to follow the good shepherd? Because if we don't, we might find ourselves wandering off into places that we never wanted to be and doing things we never wanted to do with people that we never wanted to be with and find ourselves in danger. This is the reason David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 53 says it this way, because I know my heart. I know me. And I believe that some of us in this room, you're not that much different from me. Here's what Isaiah 53 says. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us to our own way. And for some of us, we are convinced we are right. 
And we'll continue on forgetting about the good shepherd who protects and provides for us and offers us to come and follow. You see, some of us, we see a grass that is greener than the one the Lord has led us to. Some of us, we see other things that seem more enticing to us than the place that God has led us to. Samson, I told you about our sheep earlier. He had this, this pasture that he had all to himself, all in there by himself, grass everywhere. And he did the oddest thing when I was a kid. I remember watching him. He would, instead of eat grass and lie down in the middle of the pasture, he would go to the very edges, stick his head out of the fence, and push as far as he possibly could so he could eat grass outside of his pasture. I'm like, dude, you have all of this. It's all yours. And here you are pushing out past because you believe that grass is greener than this grass right here. You see, when we don't see the Lord as our shepherd, we don't see him as one who we can follow, who one who's our guide, we may find ourselves seeing other things that are more important, more enticing, that we fall more in love with than Jesus himself. So for some of us this morning, I am so guilty of this. I know there have been so many times in my life where I'm like, God, I know what you're probably trying to lead me to, but to be honest with you, I'm not interested in that. That seems like no fun. That seems like it's not gonna get me to the dreams that I wanna get to. That, that seems like that person that I wanna date or spend time with, I want that. I, I know you, I, I feel like you don't want that for me, but I want it more. And some of us in this room, we have seen grass that seems greener than the one the Lord has led us to. And so what we decide to do is we decide to wander off. We don't take God's lead. We don't see him as a guide. We think we know better. And what often happens then in our prayer life, and we think that we know better, we don't spend time praying to God during times of stress, during times of decision, during times of adversity, certainly not time, during times of prosperity because we neglect praying to God as our shepherd because we believe we know the best path for ourselves. I don't need you, God. I've got this. And it makes me think, how different would our prayer life be if we understood, truly understood the Lord as shepherd? You see, some of us, we end up coming to God and praying as a last resort rather than a first response. We get to the end of our rope, we can't right the ship, and so finally we call out upon his name, God, come and save me. What if instead we began every single day and acknowledged to God first and foremost, God, I know I'm like a sheep. I know that I can do some dumb things. I know that I'm defenseless, I can't help myself, and so God, today, would you help me keep my eyes on you? God, today, would you help me to recognize and believe and trust that you're the guide that I wanna follow? God, would you help me understand the things that I want? I don't even know it yet, but they might not be the best things for me, so help me to listen to you and choose what you want for me. God, help me to open your scriptures and know you've already spoken to us about the way that we should live. Would you help me trust the spirit that you've placed inside of me to guide me each and every day of my life? Because I can't do it by myself. I'm my own worst enemy. God, would you be my shepherd? If I prayed that way, I think it would change my life. If I saw God as Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord who is my shepherd, who protects and who provides for me by offering me a chance to follow him as in, in his leadership, that would change everything for me. What's interesting for me is we don't just hear about this concept of God being shepherd in the Old Testament alone, but it shows up in the New Testament as well. 
We've been talking during this series, and for the next two weeks we still will, that not only does this truth show up in the Old Testament about God in the Old Testament, but it actually shows up in the person of Jesus. Because if you want to know what God looks like, you don't have to look any further than who? Jesus Christ. He's the exact representation of God. God saw it fit to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And so you see in Luke 15, Jesus is having this conversation with a group of people who are sinners and tax collectors. Jesus is standing there talking with them, and of course, there's this group of people not far off, it happens all the time in the New Testament, who are grumbling and complaining against Jesus because he's spending time with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, what are you doing talking to them? And so instead of answering them directly, as Jesus is so good at doing, he tells a story. And the story in Luke 15 goes like this. Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, and then you lose one. Does not he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes back home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I mean, Jesus speaks directly at them. Listen, I know what you're thinking about the people I'm spending time with, but you have to understand something. These are the people that God is after. These are the people that God loves. These are the people that God is pursuing because because here's the truth. The Lord is our shepherd. He doesn't just protect and provide for us. He also pursues us. We have a God who is a good shepherd who pursues us. So just like in the story, if you've got a good shepherd and you realize, wait a minute, I had a hundred sheep here, I'm missing one, you grab that rod, you grab that staff, and you go off into the countryside until you find that lost sheep. Because again, that sheep's not that smart. That sheep has no defenses. Could find himself in all kinds of places where it might be the very end of his life, and so the shepherd goes out and finds that sheep. You know what I notice in the story? When the shepherd finds the sheep, he doesn't berate the sheep. How dare you walk away from the fold? How dare you wander off? What's he do? Grabs that sheep, puts him on his shoulders, walks back home joyfully, and celebrates with his family and friends because this sheep that once was lost now is found. Please hear me this morning. I think in the room, there's, there's, we are one of two people. Either we might be that religious person who's sitting off to the side being like, Jesus, how dare you spend time with those people? How dare you talk to those people? Or we might be that sheep that's wandered off that's so embarrassed that we found ourselves in this place. But what I love about Jesus, number one, he says to the religious people, you don't get it. You don't get it. Because the rejoicing comes from when one of these people who have wandered off far from God, when they come home. That's worth rejoicing. And then he says to the one who's wandered off, do not be embarrassed. Because I've come after you. You want to know what my love looks like? I grab that rod, that staff. I come after you because this comforts you and I bring you home and we throw a party because you used to be lost, but you're not anymore. Now you're found. You're back in the fold. You see me as a leader and a guide. This is the story that Jesus tells. He exemplifies for us what the, in the fullness of scripture what this God looks like. We have a God, Jehovah Ra'ah, who protects and provides and also one who pursues. Any parents in the room, you ever been to a store before and you lost your kid and then you lose your mind? 
Like there are people, you start screaming at the top of your lungs and you run down every single aisle and you push people out of the way looking for your kid. You know why? Because your five-year-old can't take care of themselves. As much as they think they can, they can't. And, so, and they're very fast too. And so you turn around and, you're like, Where? and we lose our mind finding our children because we love them. We wanna protect them. We wanna provide, so we will pursue them. That's why I love parents who have like the leash for their kid. Now that's thinking. That's smart. The Lord is our shepherd who protects, provides, and who pursues. It makes me think of the old hymn, Come Thou Fount. It says this. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Listen, at our core, we are sheep. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves wandering off somewhere, going astray. And we pray as a last resort rather than a first response. We might find ourselves in all kinds of places that we never intended to be. We come to the end of our rope and finally out of desperation we say, help, but what if instead we said, God, I wanna follow your lead. You are my guide. I wanna be protected by you. I'm gonna be provided by you. And the only way that happens is to make sure that I stay as close as I possibly can to you. So help me, because I can't do it on my own. I think it's the most challenging piece this entire passage for me. It's helping myself realize and recognize daily that I don't know what's best for me. I, I, I don't really even know the things that I want. My heart changes each and every day. And it impacts everything. It impacts my marriage. And it impacts me as a father. It impacts me as an as a employee. It impacts all parts of my life. And I think that what God is inviting us into is a constant following of who he is. And with the Lord as our shepherd, we can call out to him. We know it, the deepest, darkest valley. And we can call out to his name when we've wandered away from the fold because he loves us, because he cares for us. He wants nothing more than to lead us. There was a kid that came through our youth program years ago, and he was one of my original small group boys um, in sixth grade. I had a group of about 12 boys who were all sixth graders, and um, they were wild. We'd come to my house each week, and we'd do all kinds of crazy stuff. Occasionally, I'd try to open the Bible and try to teach them something, and we spent all kinds of, I have pictures of them at my wedding, all dressed up in ties and button downs and khakis, and I saw one of them this morning, actually. These boys were amazing boys. There was one kid in the group that as we got older, we started texting, you know, as things kind of progressed into middle school and high school and stuff. And eventually he would stop, he wasn't texting as much. He'd stop coming to youth group, wasn't really coming to church much, kind of lost interest in the whole thing. And so I tried to invite him all the time. Hey man, let's get lunch sometime. Oh, I would love to, man. I'm kind of busy, played football, all kinds of stuff. And eventually by junior year of high school, he kind of like just trailed off and we lost contact. I thought about him often, I prayed for him all the time. I'll never forget, after a couple of years at the end of high school, I hadn't seen him in a long time, I got a phone call from him. And it was his freshman year of college. He said, hey, listen, um, can we get lunch? I was like, yeah, sure, man, it's been a long time. And so probably no surprise to you, we met at Moe's. So we walked in and we, and we sat down across this table for each other and over this burrito, this boy just began to weep, just cry. I'll never forget what he said to me. He's like, listen, I wish I would have listened to you as a middle school and a high school kid. I wish I would have seen God as the one that I could follow and make wise choices and do the right things, but I didn't. 
But then he said, this year, something's happened to me and God's caught me. He's never given up on me and he's, he's finally caught me. I, I get it now. I understand what it's like to live a life with Jesus. It's changed everything for me. And this kid now, he's married, he's in ministry. He's doing amazing things. And here's why. Because he has a God who is a good shepherd, who constantly prov provides and who protects, who invites us to follow his lead and his guide. And not only that, when we find ourselves wandering off from the fold into places that we never wanted to be, guess what? Our God also, he shepherds us by pursuing us, never giving up on us. So if you're someone here this morning who feels like I'm in the darkest valley I've ever been in my life, I'm too far away from God, I can't be forgiven, guess what? Yes, you can. If you feel like I'm the person who's wandered away from the fold too far, here's the truth. We are all one of these people, one of these sheep who look around and are like, hey, nice pasture, great shepherd. This is a great place. Hmm. And we go do something else. You've got a God who will pursue you, who will never give up on you, who will never stop loving you. When we can understand that, it changes the way that we pray. God, today, help me to see you as the one that I should obey. Guide me by your spirit and by your word. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because I know who you are. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the words of David who expresses to us so clearly and so perfectly that, that you're a God who causes us to lie down in green grass because sometimes, God, we can't do it ourselves. You restore our soul. And for some of us this morning, God, we need a soul that is restored. You lead us by quiet waters. And today, God, we need that in some of our lives. And the key is very simple. Are we willing to obey you? Are we willing to follow you? Because you're the good shepherd. And thank you, God, that we find ourselves too far from you, choosing things above you. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us there to our own devices, but instead, God, you pursue us because of your love, because of your grace, because of your mercy, that you might bring us back into the fold so that we might celebrate full of joy because this sheep that once was lost, now it's found. Lord, we love you. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen.